Hello, and welcome to the Haunted and Historic Podcast, where we talk about houses, abandoned, historic, and sometimes haunted. I'm Courtney, and I will be your host. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. This is one of those weeks where we're going to really focus on our simple love of old houses. The topic for this episode is how to bring history and character into your house. If you're anything like me and have a spouse with zero interest in actually owning an old home, you kind of have to make do. I am definitely living vicariously through everybody who is renovating their old home. It makes it a little bit easier because here in Utah, we don't have a plethora of old homes to buy. I have discussed the option of buying an old home and having it moved across the country because that is an option. However, I have not swayed over my husband quite yet. Now, I'm not an interior designer at all. My background is in libraries, but I definitely have the passion for designing a home that feels like a home. My style has changed drastically as of recently. The more that I started to get involved with the old house community and embrace my love of old houses instead of feeling like it was something from my past. For almost my entire life, everything was modern. Everything was very sleek and white. Everything in our first apartment, everything in our first home, I was always on the search to find the perfect piece of furniture to paint white. It didn't matter if it was a coffee table, if it was an entertainment center, if it wasn't white, I was going to paint it and I only purchased new things that were white. And now I couldn't feel more different. Everything around me feels like this past life and the skin of a person I used to be. Part of the reason I wanted everything white and modern was because I felt like I was trying to become this false person that I wanted to be. That if I had the big windows and the hardwood floors and the all-white kitchen, that I would in turn be successful. Because to me, those are the type of houses that successful people had. And now more than anything, I want a house that feels like love. I want a home where my children can run across the floors and hit into the wall. I'm not worried about chipped paint and dented floorboards. Old homes were built to last. And there's something so comforting in that thought of letting your children grow and be who they are without the restrictions, without the worry that they're going to break something. When things are too nice, you don't use them. You don't use them to their fullest capacity. You want them to remain pristine. And I want my life to feel lived. I want my house to feel lived in. I don't want something built for me. I want to build it myself. I love that old homes encourage that. They encourage fixing, they encourage restoration, they encourage preservation, they encourage the care and thoughtfulness that people can give them, and I just need more of that in my life. I know I'm probably coming on a little too strong. We are talking about furniture and rugs after all, but that is just the way that I am. I'm a little bit overpassionate about pretty much everything I talk about. I'm now on the journey to creating a place that feels more me and feels more true to who I am, which is where this episode originated. I live in a house that was built in 2001. There's nothing old about it, but I want to bring in character and history. I did a lot of thinking about how to do that in a way that doesn't feel, as a lot of people say, like you're living in a museum, which I personally like that feeling 
I would probably deck out an old home in a way that people would feel was a little dated, but I love it all. Walk down the grand staircase in my petticoat. But honestly, our house is not old. I can't be the only one who's living in a newer house who might never get the opportunity to own an old home. And this is for all of us. So let's get started. We'll start with the most basic way to invite character in history, which is through furniture. Furniture basically encapsulates everything. So I did break it up a little bit. I love the look of mismatched couches and chairs in a living room. And there's definitely a certain type of furniture where you're using velvets and leather and these deeper, dark colors that are intriguing and atmospheric. You could have an emerald green velvet couch next to a brown leather couch or two sitting chairs that tie the room together, but allow each piece to have their own personality. Antique stores are really good for a lot of your little things like drawer pulls, doorknobs, basically anything. They have just antique doors. I'm assuming most of you have been to an antique store. Another thing that you can add to your house to tie everything together is a rug. I do not have hardwood floors, unfortunately. That's something I've wanted my whole life, and I feel like everybody around me always tries to talk me out of it. I don't know why everybody has such a problem with hardwood floors, but I absolutely love them. A rug is a perfect way to tie everything together because you can get a rug that looks almost vintage and modern at the same time. And often it can have so many colors that it will pull in your newer pieces while still tying in anything that you add with history and character. One of my favorite and I think easiest pieces to add to a house are any gold frame mirrors or picture frames. These can be found almost anywhere. I try to really go secondhand with this kind of item. Surprisingly, I have found a really impressive collection on Facebook Marketplace, even within my surrounding area of Ogden, Utah. I'm almost blown away at the selection that people offer, and for such a reasonable price, you can find antique chairs, antique end tables, just vintage-looking picture frames with that really elaborate gold around it. Those are my favorite pieces. I don't think I could ever have enough. And then within that, just choosing your pictures that you frame very consciously. So whether you have old black and white photos or sepia-toned photos of family that you want to display, obviously, you again, you don't want it to feel like a museum, but it is a great way to pay tribute to your history while also bringing in some new modern elements such as the ink drawings that I talked about last episode of old houses with just a simple black frame. It all works well together. You can also always take your own photos. I'm the type of person that I would have pictures of a cemetery in my house all year round. I do have a life-size skeleton in my dining room, so that kind of shows a little bit of who I am. I have skull decor that stays out all year round. I have skulls on the bookcase, and they're done in a very tasteful way. The one that is on my bookcase is a white ceramic because that used to be my style. But those are pieces that stay out year round. So to me, it feels normal. It doesn't feel like Halloween. And even if it did, that is something that brings me a lot of joy as much as something that morbid can. The next one is a topic that I know very well, and that is books. Most of my career was spent in libraries. So I have a really good understanding of the background and the behind the scenes that go into working in a library. 
And a lot of times old books will get donated, but they're not necessarily things that resell. Without going too in-depth, generally books are donated to the library if they are in good condition and they will serve a purpose in the collection, if the librarian over that collection sees that that would be a good thing to add to the collection. Most of the other donations go to the Friends of the Library, which is an organization that helps the library fund programs and, and materials through book sales, fundraisers, donations, a bunch of different things. So there's two things that I recommend. You could befriend your local librarian and ask about their donation process and what materials they accept, what they do with the materials that are not accepted, and you can kind of see if they do get a large volume of these old books, if they could set some aside for you for maybe a couple of weeks, just whatever comes in that they were going to get rid of, or ask them if that's something that usually ends up in the Friends of the Library book sale, and then make sure that you are there for the sale when it comes time. Sometimes they have them numerous times a year, sometimes it's only once. Of course, you can always go to thrift stores, antique stores, yard sales, estate sales. Old books are not super hard to come by, but there's a lot of different places to get them. I have quite a few from the library that were donated that we weren't going to do anything with. I will probably never read them, but they just give such a rich and inviting atmosphere. One of my all-time favorite finds in the donation pile at the library was the Encyclopedia of Murder. It is a brown hardcover with the gold writing on the spine. It was made and printed in Great Britain. And the copyright date is 1961. Basically, the entire contents of this book is every murder or murderer from history up until 1961 when the book was published. It's all alphabetized by the person's last name. And it is one of the most fascinating books I have ever read. Obviously, I have not read the entire thing. It's just easily one of the most interesting books that I have on my bookshelf. I saved my two favorites for last. These are definitely the two things that I have to have, non-negotiable, in my house. And the first one is wallpaper. I feel like wallpaper was amazing. It was customary to be in houses. It was expected. Then it went through this phase where it was like the bane of people's existence if people put wallpaper up in their house. I don't know that much about wallpaper, but this is just my interpretation of its evolution. And especially because wallpaper was so ugly, the types that they had, the prints, the colors, the patterns. But now we're to a point where wallpaper has evolved so much and it sets such a mood in the house. I just have to have wallpaper. And it all started when I found Fine and Dandy Co. on Instagram. I will link them in the show notes. Their collection of wallpaper is amazing. They show it in so many old houses. They show it in modern houses. They have the best variety of patterns and colors. And have you ever seen ceiling wallpaper? That is something I didn't know I needed. Ceiling wallpaper. I don't think anything can make you feel more fancy or grand or important than ceiling wallpaper. I think wallpaper is to old houses what shiplap is to farmhouses. Wallpaper. I feel like is the quintessential old house item. You have to have wallpaper. And the other is something that I recently found when I discovered the hashtag, I have this thing with floors and I have this thing with tiles. Again, I feel like this is something that you see in the entryways of older historic homes. 
in such an array of patterns and colors. One of my favorite tile floors is actually in a house that was recently renovated in Ogden. It's called the Vicky. It's a Victorian. It was restored by Black and Tan Homes, I believe. And in the bathroom, in the shower, there's a black and white tile floor that says 1890 in tiles. And that was such an incredible idea to me. I personally would love it in an entryway. And it only kind of looks good if you actually have an old home because 2001 and little tiles just doesn't look the same. But if you do have an older house, I think it is so special to display that year that it was built. And if you do, like me, have a newer house that you're trying to give history and personality to, what a great way to add it to your entryway to add it to bathrooms, smaller rooms where it's more attainable, where you're not working with such a large area because the tiles are so small. So the entryway and bathrooms are my favorite place. It's funny because when we found our house, we have these regular sized tiles that have been painted and they're right above the sink in between the sink and the window that looks out into our backyard. I absolutely hated them. From seeing the listing photos to walking in the house, I remember thinking, those have got to go. I'm going to paint them immediately. They're like blue and orange. I don't even know. I'll post a picture. I love them now. They are the only unique thing about our house. In a neighborhood where all of the houses were built the same, they were all built in 2001, there is really nothing unique about them. Those tiles are all this house has, and I couldn't love them more. They are part of the house now. I would never change them. I don't know if it was the owner before us who picked them out or if she added them. And fun fact, our house is a one-owner home and the owner did pass away in the home. Not of anything sinister. It was old age. But that in itself, having those tiles that perhaps she chose herself because they made her happy, having those tiles in the kitchen in such a cookie-cutter home feels like a piece of history that I don't want to erase. And that is it for my list of ways to add history and character to your home. This is one of those episodes where I really want a lot of input from the community. I have one of my best friends who sent me a picture of a purple and wicker antique chair that she found at an estate sale that she sent me that I would love to repost because it's a perfect example of what you can find. I would love if you sent me pictures of your favorite pieces in your house, where you found them, if you were looking for them, or any interesting characteristics about your house, whether it's old or new, something that makes it unique. So I will do a post on my Instagram page, which is Haunted and Historic, where you can send me pictures of your items and I will share them with the rest of the community. I also will link my Pinterest page that has a bunch of my favorite inspiration for home decor with links to the products, basically a mood board. You guys have used Pinterest. You know how it works. But that is one of my favorite ways to kind of plan my future, my future decorating style. Thank you so much for joining me for this episode of Haunted and Historic. It means the absolute world to me that you have taken the time to listen This podcast is my favorite thing that I've done in a long time, and I'm really happy that you're here and that you're interested in it. Obviously, I know that this list was not the most one-of-a-kind or mind-blowing list of things, but if I have said one thing that has helped you, that is the whole purpose of this. Like always, if you have any ideas for podcast episodes, I would love to hear them. 
please write me on Instagram or you can email hauntedandhistoric at gmail.com. I also have a Facebook group called Haunted and Historic. I had to switch it to a group because a page wasn't as interactive. The reason I'm doing this is to build a community. I love having like-minded people who are passionate about this subject, and it only made sense to do a group instead of a page where everybody can share different things. So you can share stories, you can share anything that's related to old houses or ghost stories, and we can build a little community there. If you haven't already subscribed, please go ahead and subscribe. If you liked this episode, screenshot it, post it on social media, tag me. I would love to see it. I will send you a personal thank you. I hope you guys have a wonderful weekend, and I will talk to you in the next episode.